Welcome to episode 13 of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Main. I co-host a morning radio show on a network in New York and Pennsylvania, and I'm a podcaster. If you're a woman like me who just loves Jesus and wants to serve her family and community a little bit better, you're in the right place. Let me say that I am not a marriage expert, and I'm really uncomfortable even talking about this because it's an area I struggle with. But it's Spouses Day, and I feel like maybe this is exactly what God wants me to be talking about with you because it won't just benefit you, but me too. So what is God's purpose for marriage? I once did a Bible study on marriage on Gary Thomas's book called Sacred Marriage. And in the very beginning of the book, it says, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? It was one of those oof moments. And I think we all grew up with this happily ever after myth, especially little girls. Thanks, Disney. We see this princess and her prince ride off into the sunset, but we don't know what they did to be happy. And see, that's the thing. What it takes to make a good marriage isn't movie worthy. It's sacrifice. You see, the entire heart of our Christian faith hinges on sacrifice because without Jesus and his sacrificial death on the cross, there would have been no resurrection. We would have had no means for redemption. And one of the keys to a good, godly marriage is sacrifice. In America, we speak a lot about freedom, but really in Christ, our freedom isn't for our benefit. I love what the Bible says, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Did you get that? We have the freedom to serve because of Christ. That's in Galatians 5.13, by the way. We are free to serve. And when we take our eyes off of what we're not getting, what we're not feeling, how we're not fulfilled, and we focus on serving someone else, well, that's where we experience freedom. The enemy is really good at pointing out disappointments. I did a Lisa Turkhurst Bible study this summer where she describes it as the gap between expectation and reality. That's our disappointments. And there's not a woman who hasn't felt let down by her husband. We expect this knight in shining armor and we get this armchair pushover. And the same goes for guys too. They expect this loving and demure Proverbs 31 woman. And we're bossy and moody on a pretty regular basis. I mean, at least I am. So it's safe to say there's disappointment on both sides of the marriage. But we have to focus more on that reality and less on our expectations, which are really unattainable. See, the reality is in every single marriage across the whole wide world, yes, even in your marriage, the husband and the wife are both sinners, (laughs) sinners who need Jesus. I once heard it described as if each spouse were hanging on a string, a ball on the bottom connected at the top. And as life moves, the ball may move closer or farther from the other ball. But if the balls were to move farther up their respective strings, they would naturally become closer to each other. They wouldn't be able to swing so far away. So if you think of that, like you and your spouse, you're on two strings, but the strings are connected together at the top by Jesus. And as you both move closer to him, 
you move closer to each other and you're not as able to swing away. Does that make sense? See, that's the key. A lot of times we focus on ourselves and what we aren't getting. He doesn't make me feel loved. He doesn't make me feel fulfilled. He doesn't make me feel joy. He doesn't make me feel safe. Have you ever said any of those? Or we focus on our spouse and what they're not doing. And in reality, if we would just focus on Jesus, it would remedy both of those situations. How can we feel like we are getting the short end of the stick when we're deeply loved by a sacrificial God. So let's get back to husbands and wives, because I love this key Bible passage on the marriage relationship. It's from Ephesians 5. It says, wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So two key takeaways. Wives are to respect and husbands are to love. At the heart of both of these is something that doesn't come naturally. See, if God asked husbands to respect and wives to love, it would be so easy, right? Because those two things come easy for the opposite gender. But there's always sacrifice involved in anything godly. And at the heart of this is the fact that men enjoy receiving respect and wives enjoy receiving love, which brings me to the five love languages. I don't know if you've ever done this book written by Gary Chapman. What's with guys named Gary giving marriage advice? I mean, it's good advice. The premise is that we all like to receive certain kinds of love. And he's broken it down into these five areas. There's words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Now, most of us have more than one way we like to receive love. And we all probably like each one just like a little bit, but we usually have a primary love language. And it's usually different than our spouse. So let's say you enjoy acts of service. So to reciprocate to your husband, you do things for him selflessly all the time. And he doesn't appreciate you for it. It makes you crazy, right? Well, it's probably because that's not his love language. So maybe try complimenting him, you know, like words of affirmation or surprise him with a present, you know, receiving gifts. What makes him really light up? See, that's his love language. Now, I find that most couples who are struggling and a lot of times when... I'm struggling. It's because I have a different love language than my spouse. And and I'm trying to feed him with my love language because that's how I want him to feed me. But the thing is, is that I have to work on my part, how to love him, how he likes to receive love. See, here we go again with that sacrifice. Okay, so the two books that I mentioned in this episode, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas and The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And there are links to purchase those in the podcast blog. Now, I still don't know the key to a happy marriage, but the key to a holy marriage every single time is it's sacrifice. And as Jesus is our example, we can find fulfillment in this most intimate relationship that God gave us, this marriage relationship. He's given it to us as a gift, but as a gift so that we can know him better. If you've enjoyed this episode of Therese Talk, be sure to subscribe and look for the next episode on Tuesday morning. And if you really loved it, consider making a gift to Family Life, the ministry this podcast is a part of. Just go to fln.org and find out more about what we do. Talk to you next week.